Damn, what is up, internet friend? Welcome to Walking and Talking. This is Ben Bennett. What follows is the audio version of Walking and Talking, which was originally recorded as a video. I'm transferring all of the series onto this podcast format because I think that this is a more flexible way to engage with this content. I like the idea of this audio accompanying you with your own visual field wherever you happen to be and whatever you happen to be doing, rather than tempting you to stare at a screen for hours on end. In some of these back episodes, you may hear some mic handling and wind noise, but the audio quality generally improves as the series progresses. Publishing, walking, and talking as a podcast does take additional time and money spent on my end, so if you appreciate this show and its ad-free status, please consider supporting it via Patreon at patreon.com slash benjaminbennett. Patreon is currently the only form of income that I receive for walking and talking, and I would prefer to keep the show free from any ads or sponsorship. I'm hoping to increase the frequency and intensity of these episodes, as well as start an additional series, and it's becoming clear to me that I'll need to start at least offsetting some of my expenses in order to do so. I have always lived with as few expenses as possible for both practical and ethical reasons. For almost two decades, I have dumpster-dived a significant portion of my food and other commodities because of how much I dislike waste. This is all just to say that any small amount you donate will go a very long way in making this work increasingly possible because I won't blow your money on beer and overpriced avocado toast. If you're on the fence about donating and have any questions about my financial situation, or anything else for that matter, just shoot me an email at sittingandsmiling, all one word, at gmail.com. Once again, that's sittingandsmiling at gmail.com. I aim for transparency. Once more, the URL is patreon.com slash benjaminbennett, and you can also find that link in the show notes. Now, with my deepest gratitude, regardless of what you decide, on to the show. Hello, my internet friends. Welcome to Walking and Talking, the show where I walk and talk. My first thought is how grateful I am that you're here listening and or watching. But then the immediately following thought is that on a certain other level, there's a sense in which I don't care if you are listening or watching. Well, it's not exactly that I don't care. I do care, but there's a certain, there's a certain kind of ambivalence. of whether you're watching or not, which points to, I guess what my greater desire is, generally, generally, I guess I could, I could call your well-being. I want you to feel uh, 
a deep sense of peace. And so to the extent that this YouTube video can contribute to that, then I'm glad that you're watching or listening. But to the extent that this video might be a distraction from other activities that might contribute more to your well-being, then I feel some hesitancy. Or, or even uh, a remorse or something like that. But it's roughly, it's roughly, you know, even here. And I'm hoping that in the content of what I say, that the benefit can be maximized. That is, maybe I can minimize the extent to which this video can act as a negative sort of distraction. I, I want to return to that thought, but also I want to jump to another train of thought which is even though I say that my my desire is for your well-being there's perhaps even an, another level which I even feel somewhat ambivalent about that And this level is, is one in which in which even the the concept of well-being is is seen as one half of a, of an actual dichotomy or an, an apparent dichotomy the other half being pain and suffering and, and unwell being I don't know if that's a proper word just call it you know the, the general uh, unsatisfactoriness of experience and I, I start to notice I start to notice in my life how sometimes it can kind of seem as if these two poles 
if we can call them that, you know, suffering and unsatisfactoriness on one hand and peace and well-being on the other hand. I'm not entirely certain, but sometimes it seems as if they, they create each other. That they need each other somehow. Just for example, uh, in my life, you know, in the, let's say the, the preceding few days, a couple of weeks or so, I've been getting into uh, some intense intensely depressed states at times. But it, it almost seems as if the more, the more intense these states are and the more uh, terrible they feel, the more they motivate me to To change my life, change my uh, habits and such, and and put effort into structuring my life in a way that will avoid these feelings and lead to greater well-being. And it's like that's it's like I've been relatively successful in that, or in, in the past few days. That is, I'm seeing myself have the motivation to do the sorts of things that make me feel more peaceful and and well more of the time. the things that I'm trying to do I hope are the sorts of things that would, ex would you know really be a sustainable way of maintaining a relative sense of well-being You know, to to not have to experience periods of depression but at the same time from this perspective I can now I can recognize a certain function of these uh, depressed states as being something that uh, 
you know, like I said, really mo motivates me to muster the willpower to um, to address the root causes of them. seems it seems as if a depressed state is is almost it's like it's like a deep encounter with emptiness you know the uh, truth of emptiness that when you're in it it doesn't feel like you have any control over it feels like you have no choice but to experience a profound emptiness in everything that you maybe previously thought to have substance and meaning. And so for me, it seems like the, the, the path forward involves not trying to distract yourself from any kind of, you know, not, not to, to not, um, like disavow everything of your perspective that you might experience in a depressed state like there there may be there may be some truth to to your perspective from a depressed state and even you know we don't have to just limit this to you know like uh major depressive episode or anything but also but also just like uh periods of feeling sad or just feeling feeling dark in general I'd have to say that I would have to say that one of the most obvious things about states like that is that they are temporary and they pass. You know, and like my my present experience is is total proof of that because I would not say that currently I feel depressed or sad 
But at the same time, I want to acknowledge that in that state, the way that you see the world feels absolutely true. And it feels the experience can be as if um, the the emptiness uh, that you are seeing. Whoa! Check out that bike. Nice ride. Oh, I can't believe they left this unlocked. Somebody's gonna steal it. I'm tempted to steal this bike, man. Nice one. Nice lock on it. If only there was a key. Can't believe somebody just left a, left a perfectly good bike there. Uh, anyways, what was I saying? Oh yeah, that you know. The experience can be like the emptiness that you you see can seem as if it's more true than than your your what you previously thought about the world like your normal life it can feel as if you know uh your normal normal day-to-day -day life or even you know periods of feeling just fine or feeling happy um, are were just illusions like as if as if you were just kind of like uh, operating on in in some fantasy land and that the the tolerability of life was, is actually an illusion and that the the profound meaninglessness and emptiness of of everything is actually the greater truth <clears throat> and that you know you can have this experience where it seems as if that meaninglessness and emptiness is is the ultimate truth and like you that there's there's just no reason to continue on uh, like how could you continue on living normally in the face of that truth like nothing's nothing you know nothing is like really worth doing But in this moment, we can see that at least as far as I can tell from this perspective, that that isn't an ultimate unchangeable truth. Just because, you know, here I am, I'm walking and talking, uh, you're listening, and I'm having the experience that this is worth doing.
and I can even I'm I'm in a state where I can also think of many other things that seem worth doing. Now there's there I I do feel that there is something very true about this emptiness that sometimes in a in a sad or depressed state we are forced to see like right up front but it's not it's not the totality of truth it's not the totality of of reality It's kind of uh, a, a bifurcation. It's one. It's seeing. It's seeing one very true side of truth, but it's not a totality. And there's, I think, there's evidence of that. For me, at least, even in even in a depressed state, because there usually seems to be at least the the very faintest notion of another truth. Like it could be in the form of a very of uh, just a very faint memory or something that that comes to me and a memory of an experience where i felt the opposite where i felt a great fullness and love But it's it it's hard to it's like it's like you can't really you can't fully like access that state but you can at least have a kind of intellectual memory of it. And that that memory can inform a certain, uh, you know, to 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 retain a certain skepticism, a skepticism that the emptiness that you see is not is not the grand totality of reality.
But furthermore, I have this in increasing sense that that the ex ex you know that the the dark and painful um, experience of emptiness is is very much linked with having the opposite experience of of feeling uh, joyfully full of love. Or feeling, uh, you know, sort of the uh, joyful um, profusion of substance in life. In my memory, I can. I can perceive a pattern of, you know, of my experience of reality to either move between those poles or, or to sometimes rest a little bit more evenly somewhere in the middle. And it's as if the the fluctuation between those poles can happen, you know, rapidly in the course of, you know, mere minutes or hours or they could they could uh happen over the course of days or weeks or there might even be you know uh, fluctuations on the scale of years and then even even within you know like a broad wave that might last years and uh, there could be also on that wave smaller shorter fluctuations You know, in our memories, we can kind of we can kind of piece together an idea of our emotional topography. The the term I'm so fond of. You know, you could you could uh, maybe you remember like a year of your life that was really difficult, but then. But then even, but within that year of, your, of, of difficulty, maybe there were like little short, uh, wonderful experiences. Or you could, or you might see, you might remember a year of your life where it felt like you were on top of the world. And then, but maybe within that there were uh, you know, certain days where you struggled a lot, but or or you could maybe you can remember a time when you were just kind of like not 
not particularly up or down. But also, in our memory, our understanding of these experiences can become very different than our understanding that we had while we were experiencing them. Maybe there's a period that just where you just felt horrible that in retrospect you can see as a period of you know very deep growth and development something that contributed a lot of significance to who you are now and in retrospect that experience takes on an entirely different tone and meaning So this is this is the sort of thing that maybe is going through my mind when I say something like on one hand I care about your well-being but on the other hand there's a sort of ambivalence. And so I could cl clarify that further by saying you know like while on one hand I don't want you to be suffering or feel bad on the other hand I, f I feel that it's possible that that suffering or, or bad feeling could later you might understand it later to have played an important function in your life. To, to be, maybe, maybe it is, maybe the difficult experiences are actually connected to experiences that are, are meaningful and positive you know it kind of seemed that kind of seems true to me so it's it's as if as it's 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 as if i'm saying that yes i i want you to be well I sincerely want you to be well in the deepest way possible you know to have a, a really deep sense of, of peace and well-being And it's not that I it's not that I wish for you to be suffering at all. 
or to to experience sadness or depression or, or uh, you know a, a painful apprehension of emptiness but but I would hesitate to I would he, I would hesitate to say the sorts of things that are uh, that would you know that would kind of uh, discount that experience as as being totally false or something or to to uh, to give you any sort of advice that would tell you to you know uh, like totally avoid that feeling or 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 to like uh, to just kind of like bury it underneath uh, some relatively superficial like positive thinking or something But at the same time, like, I recognize that it's, it's, uh, it's possible that what I'm saying now um, could be kind of comforting or reassuring. And I feel fine with that. Like I say, I say these sorts of things with uh, a great suspicion that I'm not the only one who has such experiences. And that the, the the possibility of communicating these sorts of experiences could lead to uh, connection. For some reason, it seems desirable to me to, in whatever sense, uh, we have control over our emotional topographies, which that's, you know, whether we have 
whether we have free will or not is this whole other uh, topic. But to the extent that it feels like we have control over our emotional topography, you know, and it, it very much does, of course, you know, correlate with our experience that we can do things to regulate our emotions to that extent it seems to me desirable to gravitate towards the structures that you know do just that regulate the emotions and lead towards a more a slightly more middled out topography where where you're not having these extreme highs and extreme lows because both seem both seem like sort of um, a, a, a fragmented or partial or unstable view of reality. You know, to, but to, to be able to kind of float in this middle where you where you can grasp this, the, the interplay of emptiness and form, you know, of meaning and meaninglessness. Which is, you know, it's if it's if it's more level, it's it, in in some way you could you could see that as perhaps more sustainable or continuous or consistent. I don't know, it's, it's not that I'm, I can't really say that, that, that I can place um, a value judgment on a, a flat versus a steep topography. Because who knows, you know, maybe the high highs are worth the feeling of the low lows. I think I've I think I've heard 
an account of, you know, someone who had talked to some uh, people diagnosed with uh, bipolar disorder who would testify that the, the, the manic highs of, of bipolar were totally worth the, the depressive lows. That they felt like it was worth it. Even even having uh, even even having the the uh, kind of self awareness to recognize that they were bipolar and to be and to have the wherewithal to recognize that they have these extreme highs and lows, and at the same time say that it's worth it, that it's okay, you know. That's, that's really interesting to me. I mean, if you talked to that person when they were in the, you know, the downside, the depressive side of things, I bet they wouldn't say the same thing. I could, I could almost, I could almost guarantee that they would say like, you know, I don't want this. But then, you know, if, then if you talk to them in the, when they were like, in the manic stage, you'd you'd hear the exact opposite thing. Let me go take a whiz for a moment. I go to take a whiz I really have to be aware of how just how wide the frame is with this fisheye lens Also, while we're breaking here, just a, a little announcement that in this episode, I, I've, I've been thinking that the, the visual is not very important, that actually just the audio is the, the chiefly important part of this and I mean to the extent that I consider like why not make this thing be audio only so 
something that I thought about uh, because of what I was saying earlier about the possibility of this video being a distraction from things that might contribute more to your well-being. Uh, it seems like if it were only audio, there would be less of a risk of that because with just audio, like my experience of just listening to the audio of someone talk is that I, I stay engaged a little more in my physical surroundings in the room or, or where, wherever it is that I happen to be, I feel a little more integrated into things. And the audio of someone talking, especially if it's, you know, a person who's saying something coherent and meaningful and with a focused mind, um, the combination of the, that audio to talk and and then just you know the 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 rest of my sense experience being more oriented towards my immediate physical surroundings often feels like a really uh, good combination as opposed to what sometimes happens if I'm watching a YouTube video where my attention gets sucked into the video in a way that that feels like it, it leads me to kind of ignore uh, some of the other sensory experiences and, and maybe maybe my body might start to hold some tension in it without me noticing or maybe I'm starting to slump or something in my chair you know I'll, I'll maybe I'm sitting in a chair and watching a video <coughs> and kind of uh, a little below my conscious awareness um, I might be starting to <coughs> to have some more constrictive emotions start to build up in my body excuse me So this is why I say that it might be totally, it, it might even be preferable for you to, I don't know, not necessarily watch this video, but just to listen to the audio. I mean, it's it's totally up to you. It's it's. Um, 
you're probably the best person to to judge uh, what way of experiencing this media is most conducive to you having um, uh, an, a, a helpful experience an experience you know one that would contribute towards open feelings as opposed to constricted feelings you know sense of open openness and uh, peace and contentment rather than you know like a rather than uh, any kind of anxiety or, or grasping kind of feeling. And I think you can notice this most easily in sort of the physical sensations of your body. Like just, just notice. <clears throat> Is there any tension in your body right now? What's your posture like? Is it upright or is it is it slumped or is it hunched? Are your shoulders hunched up or are they like more down? You know, are you having any kind of like nervous sort of like uh, fidgeting? And if so, you know, could could any of these could could your feeling of well-being be improved if, while listening to this audio, uh, you do something to sort of engage in your body and your surroundings? Like, you know, what if you what if you like laid on the floor and. Uh, and kind of stretched out and just felt like what it, what it was like to do that or um, doing a headstand is, is really great um, just it's a really great thing to do just to sort of like um, change up your 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 flow of emotional experience of, of, of like embodied experience just do a headstand for a little while, and uh, I, I find that uh, when I do that, I feel I feel like I'm, you know, participating in my body in, in a, a much more enjoyable way, a, f a fun way, or. Uh, like laying on the laying on your laying on the floor on your back and putting your legs up on a on a chair or a couch or a bed or something like that is pretty pretty feels pretty good to me sometimes. Or also what feels pretty good is to just like clean uh, organize things while I'm listening to somebody talk at me through the computer or whatever device. Pick up my clothes, put them away. You know? If there's any, like, 
dirty dishes laying around, you know, just at least just like stack them up or something. Organize things. It feels good. Maybe maybe look around you and see if you have any things that you need to get rid of or that, that, that you would li might like to get rid of. <clears throat> Objects that you're not really in need of anymore. Maybe you can just put them in a pile of things to give away. I don't know, or you can either, either sell them or give them away. These are just, you know, possible suggestions for ways to experience this YouTube video. Or, you know, any sort of, you know, manual sort of task that doesn't require too much of your you know, linguistic processing sort of brain can be a really great complement to this sort of thing. Like, if I have to do some fairly, you know, some task that doesn't require a whole lot of figuring out of how to do things, that's fairly straightforward. And I can do that at the same time. Like preparing food, folding laundry, fixing something, stuff like that. Or something like drawing. I've maybe gone a little bit off the rails of the things I was talking about before. But regarding topographies and ones that seem sustainable versus unsustainable I mean ultimately there there's no unsustainable in, in that you will always continue to have an emotional topography no matter what I guess I suppose I suppose in the event of death or something uh, that gets a little more complicated. Like maybe maybe you stop having an emotional topography then, uh, or the topography dissipates, or one's perception changes so drastically that there ex exists no more experience of topography. Or you know maybe if there is maybe if there is uh, something approximating reincarnation or something like that. Uh, it could be the case that emotional topography continues. Uh, now, regarding reincarnation, I, I don't believe in it as such, but uh, 
I do believe it as I, I, I do believe that it has possible metaphorical value in terms of uh, understanding consciousness as something greater than just one's own individual individual human experience and as something that goes beyond the, the span of one's individual life, uh, which is something maybe I can get into later. But again, I've, I've diverged. But also, I, I feel okay with this divergence, as while I'm sitting here, even it's, it seems as if even just this uh, activity of talking, just kind of following these trains of thought, I, I'm noticing some change in, in uh, a somewhat more fundamental quality of my awareness, so to speak, and that I'm starting to become more aware of these trains of thoughts just kind of continuing beyond my control. Um, now, it's not to say that it's not to say that before I was controlling my thoughts and now something else is controlling my thoughts. That's not what I'm saying. More more accurately it would be it would be to say that um that there seems to be a, a higher level of consciousness uh, coming more into the forefront that is aware of what is what I commonly identify as the I that controls my thoughts. So it's as if if my default mode is to be identified with that which produces the thoughts or to be, you know, identified as, you know, what is controlling the thoughts or what's producing the thoughts, it's as if now what I'm identified with is something a little bit larger than that that is able to see within it this process of thoughts forming and and trains of thoughts and and witnessing the thought process from a, a higher perspective and just you know like it kind of happened as I started to see how 
one train of thought would kind of lead towards what I'd perceive as another train of thought and all these possible divergent tracks of thought <clears throat> that none of which is any less true or less important than what I'm thinking of as the original train of thought. They are all connected. And through this process, what's, what's becoming more apparent to me is just this vast open field of possible trains of thought. Like, as if this train of thought could lead to literally any other train of thought. Like, it could go anywhere and still remain connected by virtue of all existing within this open field of, of possible thought. And as the thoughts continue, it's so interesting for me to see them uh, manifest into whichever particular train of thought they manifest into. Like, just the fact that I'm speaking this particular train of thought, this, this particular one out of an infinite possibility of what thoughts I could be speaking, seems so interesting to me. Oh, and I'm, I'm, this, uh, that train whistle reminds me that there's uh, a sheltered spot just right up the hill that I, I should probably go to. So my stuff can stop getting so wet. It's like I, I feel both this um, wide open field of, of possibility right now, but at the same time feel a certain calmness or, or contentedness to just to just continue on with whatever um, experience or whatever train of thought I happen to be having at the moment. And, and this relates back to what I was talking about at the beginning of that I, I do perceive the emptiness of things um, as in, like, I, I, I witness the particular train of thought that I'm having and... When, when, I, when I see it as existing in this huge open field of possible thoughts, it plainly seems almost arbitrary what particular thought I'm having, you know? It's just, it's like, it's just that this, this particular thought has, has, manifested as one possibility out of an infinite number of possibilities. And so, 
and, and at at the same time, I'm feeling a, a disidentification from the the eye that creates these thoughts. You know, I, I don't feel strongly identified with as the the creator of these thoughts, but I feel actually more identified with a witness of these thoughts happening. And so at that, in, in that sense, every thought that I'm expressing, every word that I'm saying, I, f I feel aware of its emptiness. You know, it has an emptiness. A, a lack of any ultimate meaning. When I recognize, when I recognize the fact that it's as if I could be thinking any number of other thoughts that could have branched off. from the train of thought that I started off with. You know, as, as it, it's as if, you know, I just happen to be on one little twig of a whole tree. And it's, it's as if I, you know, am experiencing the twig and the whole tree simultaneously. So it's, it's almost as if like, the, the experience of emptiness could be analogous to, like, what if, you're, what if you are a twig, you know, and you, you feel identified with being this twig and, and feel some sense of, of the importance of your, of your identity as twig and then uh, one day you suddenly become aware of the existence of a whole tree that's, you know, comprises thousands of twigs. And, and suddenly your importance of twig, of being twig, like feels empty. And so that, you know, that experience could be, could be painful, but maybe it doesn't have to be. Like, could that experience start to be, could that, could that actually be, um, part of a process of an expansion of what you are identified with to the whole tree. You know, a connection, uh, like the beginning of a, a connection of 
what was previously experienced as separate consciousnesses, but then beginning to, you know, connect into one larger, more unified consciousness. And it could be, and this, this leads me to, to think, so, so like, I guess just to, to connect this back with what I said earlier, or, um, about, you know, I'm saying one particular thing, and the fact that I've noticed that there's an infinite number of possible other things that I could have said that could just have easily resulted from how I began this video. You know, it could have branched off in any number of ways. In some sense, it doesn't, it, it, it like, you know, in one sense, that might reduce the significance of whatever one particular thing that I happen to be saying, but at the same time, at the same time, it makes whatever one particular thought that I have, have happened to be saying uh, seem all the more important or the all, all the more uh, significant. It's paradoxical, really. It's like, it's like there's the one thought that I'm saying and there's the infinite possibility of things that I could be saying. And this feels analogous to me to to this paradox of, you know, why am I this one particular person? Why am I Ben Bennett out of all the billions of other people on the planet? Or, you know, why am I, why am I this human being as opposed to any of the other organisms around? Or even inanimate matter, you know, why Am I not the road that I'm walking on? But I guess it seems like, like I need to just kind of like maintain uh, the this this paradox. like like the the twig on the tree like recognizing that there's this whole other tree of twigs it's 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 still no less just that twig
that you know has its own place on the tree and its own function as part of the tree. Boy, I'm noticing my my uh, battery pack is running a little bit lower than I thought it than it seemed to be displaying at the outset. There's there's some possibility that the batteries of this run out during this episode, but I feel okay with that. I I think I would publish it anyways. But um, so. Relating back to emotional topographies, the way that I feel now is is very feels very even. That is the I don't know. Well, I'm not I'm not sure if it's even or or if I I might or is it possible that I am on some kind of high. Um, so, I guess I would say that, like, my emotional level feels, feels pretty stable. But in the, it, but then, like, in this, in this sort of, like, intellectual realm, or, or, like, like, the certain, like, uh, how could I put it? my the 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 quality of my experience um, I could I could say as, as I, I I feel positive about I feel good about I feel like Like this, this, this uh, process of thinking, and and more than just thinking, but the this process of um, a changing awareness of my thinking, you know, a, a, a changing awareness of the process of thinking. could describe as as being higher than my default mode of being more completely identified as Ben Bennett the the um, source of my thoughts Ben Bennett the individual who thinks things Like it's it's a very uh, it's a much more open experience than that. But at the same time, you know, continuing to be aware of this paradox that 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 um, 
I don't seem to be able to like permanently escape that mode of experience, that default mode of being identified as this individual self who, who thinks thoughts and, and seems to be in control, you know, seems to be responsible for the thoughts. As I'm walking here, <clears throat> well, just now in that sort of brief gap, I um, I suppose as resulting from a habit of meditation, my awareness sort of shifted towards uh, my physical sensations of my body and I kind of noticed my posture and noticing my posture led to me to led me to want to straighten my back a little bit and I just noticed you know various sensations of the the weight of my feet you know, I, I, or the weight on my feet and the coldness of my hands and then you know I I noticed these physical sensations uh, occurring simultaneously with my, with the auditory and, vis and visual experiences, and I just kind of noticed all of these things happening simultaneously and and noticed how the, how they are all just sort of like components of an experience that normally comprises an experience of being a distinct individual of being a person in a body uh, that has delimitations, you know, where my skin meets the air is, you know, the limit of my body. But then as I noticed that, and as I started to talk about it, 
that didn't seem like exactly the truth. That <clears throat> what I what I um, what's what's a little more true to say of this experience is that these so, so what I would normally call sense perceptions you know touch sensation a visual field the auditory thing and and then beyond that also just the thoughts um, these things you know normally well normally all of them being you know like I'm not really like aware of them as being perceptions as such even it's they're just kind of like taken for granted and then there's there's this me there's this identity that goes on unquestioned me who's here seeing the rest of the world me who's here hearing feeling and thinking um you know much of the time not even really being aware of the fact not not even being aware of the fact you know of seeing hearing feeling and thinking but all of those things just kind of happening while my awareness you know is is like kind of like more buried somewhere within thought you know being just identified with thought being identified with emotion but at other times like now not only do I feel aware of these processes of sensory perception as such you know as not only am I aware that I am seeing hearing feeling and thinking but additionally I can I can experience these sense perceptions not exactly as sense perceptions <clears throat> but but more being uh but actually but 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 them actually comprising reality on a more fundamental level as in it's not that 
it's not exactly that um, these perceptions are what is connecting, you know, me with the world or, um, you know, the inside versus the outside. It's not that... It's not that, like, you know, my sense perceptions are, are, bringing the outs, are bringing the outside world into me. Where the me who thinks can then, you know, perceive them and think about them. It's a little bit more like, um, let me just, let me just walk a little bit and, and see if I can figure out how to Articulated. It's a little bit more like the this like self and other. Um, Collapse into the perception. Collapse into experience. Like realizing that... Realizing that this experience is all that there is. In a sense. And in a sense that, in it, there, there's a sense in which perceiving and thinking uh, are are something that are is actively separating the self from the rest of the world.
like this this thought of it's me who is seeing it's me who's hearing it's me who's feeling is is like is like it simultaneously separates us and and joins us with the rest of reality that is and even even for me to say something like the rest of reality <clears throat> Also, in some sense, you know, joins joins me with it or, or acknowledges it, but at the same sense separates from separates me from it in the uh, uh, in making the distinction to distinguish myself from it. So what's, you know, I mean, if for me, the, uh, the feeling of integrating more fully with the rest of the world is concurrent with uh, a cessation of suffering or or at least um, a, a more clear understanding of suffering that uh, lets me experience in a way that is not exactly suffering. And so this seems like a desirable experience but is there is there a difference between you know this experience uh, as like being a human and say being a rock you know a rock as far as I can conceive uh, wouldn't have any kind of experience that amounts to anything like a human experience. That a rock wouldn't have identity as such. And doesn't have perceptions, I, don't, I wouldn't say at all. Um, and so in that sense, a rock is uh, more totally and fully integrated in, into reality than 
any being such as a human that has all these mechanisms that uh, work together to maintain an illusion of separateness. And so would we say that it's would be desirable to be more like a rock or to be dead? Because to, you know, to be a dead body is more, um, more like, you know, more closer to being a rock. You don't, they're, they're gone are the mechanisms that um, create the illusion of separateness. Um, I don't, I don't think that uh, either of those things should actually be thought of as desirable. In the sense, it, like, it, it, that to, that, I don't know, when, when you can, when you can uh, grasp the, the, all this possibility of what you could be identified with, or, you know, what you could be, then, for me, the, the, the mere fact that we are humans and having the human experience in a way becomes all the more significant and precious. Like, why, you know, why am I a human? Why did I end up being a human instead of a rock? Or a mosquito, you know? <clears throat> the... It's as if the, the... It's as if the answer is both arbitrary and meaningless and incredibly remarkable and... significant and even the even the the quality even even the phenomenon of differentiation as an individual human can be seen as, as a, 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 a just a just astounding a, another just astounding manifestation of reality you know the the fact like like the the experience of being an individual human is is when when considered in the context 
of all of reality and all of, you know, all that exists is, seems incredibly rare and precious. And within that experience of, you know, being a differentiated individual, the fact that there exists also this capacity to experience integration is equally remarkable. The fact that I can exist as a differentiated human and then also be able to not only not only like contemplate and intellectually uh, you know at least attempt to comprehend uh, my place in the rest of reality but also you know have experiences of the dissolution of that distinction is is just you know it's it's incomprehensible it's incomprehensibly profound. I need to set the camera down for a moment. Let me, you know, I have to whiz again, which is, I guess we can take that as a, a, a positive sign that I'm well hydrated. So let me set you down for a moment.
my hands have gotten very cold holding the umbrella and the selfie stick. I just need to like put my hands in my armpits for a moment. So, you know, we have what seems to be this paradox of, as I was saying towards the beginning of the video, of like, um, of, you know, simultaneously. Um, having a sense of, of being connected to a larger whole, but but still, it doesn't seem like we can like. It doesn't seem as if we can like permanently escape the sense of being beholden to our bodies, you know, be, like. Uh, and even our minds sometimes. Like, we can't... We can't, you know, just like... Kind of... Dissipate our consciousnesses out of our body and, you know... Escape death or something. Like, like this, this body is going to... Age and die... And even even the mental structures that you know comprise this this identity of, of Ben Bennett that can say these particular things is is going to eventually deteriorate and go away. And and you know. I don't seem to be able to escape uh, simple things of like, you know, having to pee or, or getting cold and uh, needing to get warm, needing to eat food and drink water, all that sort of thing. Like, eat, like this... Um, even uh, this, you know, what I'm, what I'm, have been, you know, talking about as this remarkably profound experience um, is still, is still completely dependent and and connected to the most ordinary stuff of life of you know having to work, having to take care of, of your body. Having to to meet your emotional needs, all this stuff. 
all all the mundane stuff is is all you know completely part of the same thing and even you know even my even my ability to stay um, connected to uh, the the sort of profundity that I seem to have been talking about in the past few minutes has its limitations. There's probably going to continue to be um, you know, the, the experience of being uh, a self that looks after the self and has selfish needs and maybe like protects aspect of the self against perceived threats coming from others or coming from the world the needs that acts in order to maintain the integrity of the individual self but that's still that's still all part of it And even, even on top of that, it's like, it's as if the self, or, or at least what, what is experienced as a self, has to, has to do certain things um, in order to, to have any connection with what I'm talking about. Like, you know? And that's not to say that, like, uh, there's only a... a one certain specific way of maintaining this connection, of course not, but the like this experience, this this particular experience of communication right now is has been in in a sense dependent on everything that's been in my life leading up to this point, but then. But then I, I, I logically have to extend that, that dependence to everything that influenced me, you know? Any teacher I've had, any, um, any talk or, or thought that has influenced me, uh, even, to, even down to childhood experiences, even every single experience and interaction that I've had in my life is connected to this. And then, you know, logically, you have to kind of extend that to all of reality and all of the past as far as it goes. You know, I'm having this, this feeling like... I'm having this feeling of like... Um, A total merger of any kind of profundity and uh, mundaneness of, of them being completely connected to each other and and being totally aware that uh, even my even the the current experience that I'm having of 
of let's 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 call it like a, a proliferation of thinking or or the experience of my thinking existing in, in a wide open infinitely open field is also connected and dependent towards the total opposite of experience of feel of feeling you know constricted in my thoughts and and in my body and uh, and all of this and, and or, or feeling you know feeling total like uh, like like experiencing the total like banality of everything like like um, like if I if I actually watch this video back to me like it's entirely it's entirely likely that I could watch this back and and see it see it as the the just the dumbest thing ever you know to to witness this representation of myself uh speak in in this sort of affectation of of uh experienced profundity and just be like you know i could i can imagine a future self like watching the representation of myself and just being like okay w whatever like you know it's it's totally banal like you know get over get over this experience you know like the feeling if of like you in a in a normal everyday default state like seeing somebody who's like uh tripping on acid or mushrooms or something like like uh their their sort of like attempt at communicating their experience of the profound and you're just like okay whatever man you're tripping get over it <clears throat> or uh like that's that's totally real too like i'm like i i feel also aware of you know how how totally meaningless all of this is how how fleeting this experience is how how temporary it is how relative it is Uh, I, I feel aware of all the 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 failures of communication I feel no like illusion that uh, I have any sort of like special power to confer upon you the viewer uh, some you know lasting uh, experience of profundity nor do I exactly feel uh, 
desire for that. Because at the same time, it's, it's like I also feel equally aware that here I am, just a dude walking around with a camera mounted on a wooden stick talking to it for four hours, <clears throat> posting it on YouTube with no editing or production values and how... Uh, you know... No illusions that uh, your experience like exactly mirrors my experience. Nice glove. No, you know, no experience. I, I have no illusion that like. Uh, me having this particular experience uh, is and and filming it and posting it is necessarily going to like perfectly communicate this experience but also I, I don't feel the importance of that either I don't feel I don't feel actually I don't feel actually any any particular desire you know to to like Like, make everybody else have a similar experience. Because, like, there's... Because, like I said, um, any, any supposed significance of this experience is, like, also leveled out by its, its total insignificance. And a sort of understanding of all possible experience as being, you know, a sort of equally significant or equally insignificant, however you look at it, experience. Like, just, you know, on the same... Like, not, not, uh, not distinct, not, well, not, uh, not ultimately separate from, uh, this experience that I'm describing now. It's like, I no longer is there, does there seem to be any importance of labeling this experience as significant or insignificant as compared with any other experience and no longer really is does there seem to be any importance of even referring to something as this experience as opposed to other experience it's it seems moot and irrelevant
and there doesn't seem to be uh, for me an important there, there doesn't seem to be an important distinction between um, what I'm doing as as being <clears throat> like generous or totally narcissistic like I could interpret it either way there's there doesn't seem to be any reason for me to evaluate the quality of this video uh, you know in terms of utility or, or any other measure of value By the way, let's just let's just check in again uh, on our, our physical state. Like, are, are you uh, are you are you remaining aware of your physical sensations? Are you holding any tension in your body? I think a really uh, interesting thing is happening due to the, the sort of four-hour requirement of, of this. And once again, I want to say that my battery pack is seeming to run low, so I'm not sure if uh, it's going to be able to continue recording the, the whole four hours, but still, an interesting thing is happening and, and happens due to this long format, which is that I'm not really able to just sort of like stop after having reached some kind of profound insight. I'm not able to just kind of like stop it and uh, leave myself and you uh, clinging to some kind of high, you know? I'm not able to just like stop and, and uh, allow all of us to just kind of like bask in a, a revelatory feeling. I mean, ass assuming anything like that has occurred for you. I don't want to make that as assumption. 
but because of this format this long format i'm sort of compelling myself to to continue on in this framework you know of continuing to talk and record myself talking And to post all of it, which sort of, uh, <clears throat> in a sense, well, it, it, I, I probably, I think I say in a sense too much, but it requires me to, to continue reporting from my, my experience as it shifts through you know whatever mode like and I mentioned before how all of our modes of experience seem to be dependent on one another as in any mode of uh, clear insight also seems to be dependent on you know, the default mode of going about our daily lives and taking care of ourselves in uh, a more self-referential, self-interested mode. To go, you know, to do this thing for four hours continuously is interesting in, in that it's kind of difficult to maintain <clears throat> any kind of like greatly insightful state continuously for four hours. And so it, it kind of, it kind of forces me to to really witness the the connection between all these states to not so strongly differentiate them to not like uh, valorize and exalt any particular state over another. It kind of uh, pushes me into a more a more non-dual understanding of of all the various ways of experiencing reality that may occur within these four hours. Which I hope, you know, has a, an effect of integration of
of, of pushing myself to, you know, I suppose, live more and more of my life in alignment with the clearest insights that I have. And I suppose I, I would hope that this might encourage you to do the same. as I as I get damper once again a, a reminder that um, for this video I don't consider the visual component to be all that important Not that I consider any of this video to be all all that important, but uh, the audio is the is the more key component for uh, the communication to take place. so there is there is I think a, a real reason for the f four hour time length and in a sense that's a that's I, I, I gotta stop saying in a sense so much I say it way too much I need need some uh, synonyms some alternate phrases But the four-hour time length is sort of functions as a, you could say a response or a resistance to the, the format of YouTube or a resistance to the media world at large in that it makes it much more difficult for me to offer a you know a, a, a clean cut media experience for you For four hours, I, I, it's, 
nearly impossible to maintain like a charismatic persona or or any you know particular desired characteristic that a video could have I mean I could I could achieve that supposedly by editing or something but that's that's out that's outside of the parameters of, of this project you know I just I walk and talk and film the whole thing continuously and post the whole thing and so it I guess part of my motivation for doing that is that for walking and talking at least is that it's a little harder for me to to you know misrepresent reality in that way harder for me to make a type of media that's addicting, I think. I mean, we can extend the concept of addiction almost to everything. You could you could ex you could say that you're addicted to drinking water in order to survive. But with a four-hour video, it would be very hard for me to um, maintain uh, the type of media that is, you know, continuously stimulating your dopamine in a way to to create addictive sort of behavior like and it would but the so I, I guess I would think of the behavior of returning to watching walking and talking over and over again as being something that's like more more of a habit than an addiction a habit that hopefully Um, could be more integrative with a full and healthy life than, than I would suppose some other forms of internet media to be. Like, uh, like TikTok? Have, are any of you on TikTok or have, have seen this stuff? Like, I only recently had a brief experience with TikTok because there uh, is is some teenage girl on TikTok who's sitting and smiling 
making sitting and smiling videos and apparently uh, getting a lot of views and um, she's apparently um, playing into the, the sort of like conspiracy theory of being kidnapped uh, which is something that I never did that is she's like uh, intentionally making little cues to like um, <clears throat> add fuel to the the fire of people uh, people you know projecting this idea that maybe she's she's kidnapped or something which is you know totally ridiculous if you think about it for even a minute that she would have she that she could be kidnapped and have only enough freedom to make uh sitting and smiling videos but uh not enough freedom to communicate the fact that she is kidnapped and you know uh so uh but the the part of this that involves me is the fact that in her bio for some reason she put my email address, my email address of uh, sitting and smiling at gmail.com, which I used to have listed on this channel, but no longer because it was just like too much in the inbox. But of course, you know, now, because for whatever reason she decided to put my email address in her bio, I'm getting all these emails from people saying, are you okay? Are you kidnapped? And these, all these emails are intended for her. Uh, you know, and so like, you know, she's kind of like playing, she's kind of, kind of exploiting uh, people's natural concern. <clears throat> and I mean, and also like, it is kind of if you if you think about it for a moment if like she had the freedom to if like people are saying like are you kidnapped and it's like if you had the freedom to respond yes like why wouldn't you have uh you know notified outside help long ago and and so it's like seems a little bit illogical to even you know entertain this reality for a moment, but I, I suppose it's indicative of people's uh, willing gullibility. People's kind of desire to, to uh, buy into the sensational. Uh, but I, I digress, and so like, I I I, you know, I, I was trying to figure out a way that I could contact her to just ask her to take down my email address so that I could stop getting all these messages in my inbox. And so, and I, I you know, I can't, you know, view TikTok without signing up, so I signed up for an account and then uh, realized that there's still no, there's still no way to, like, send her a message on TikTok, uh, 
But in the process of this, like I, you know, saw, I witnessed the TikTok app and it's, it's horrible. It's so, it's like, it's uh, just the most attention destroying, uh, brain rotting thing I've ever witnessed. Like the, the it, it seems like the, the, the medium that is, would be just perfectly corrosive to any sort of uh, mental or emotional qualities that would be necessary to like have any kind of sense of peace or well-being or, or functionality in this world. I mean, it's just like short, few second long videos that one after one after another no break they just like keep coming and coming and it's it's like all I all I saw for the like few moments that I watched this was you know all these like kind of tween age kids like just you know what can I say? Doing the the most like kind of like attention grabbing thing they can for a few seconds and then instantly with no pause it's like on to the next tween doing the most attention grabbing thing that they can do. And it's it's like uh you know, it's like frightening. It is frighteningly um absorbing and gives me like uh, a sick feeling at the same time uh so i you know i deleted the app from my phone after finding no way to resolve this issue of getting this person to take my email address off of their account uh, so currently I'm just kind of uh, feeling, you know, trying to be okay with uh, getting all these dumb emails uh, until hopefully the situation, you know, hopefully the uh, phenomenon fades. Or I tried, I tried to send an email to TikTok, but of course, you know, like, you probably can't really email an actual person at TikTok. But I guess if anybody out there here, like, knows uh, how, how I could actually get in touch with somebody at TikTok, or uh, if somebody has a way of contacting the, the sitting and smiling girl on TikTok to just, you know, politely ask her, please uh, take my email address down. Uh, I, I don't care that you're, you know, totally imitating my YouTube channel in a, in a bastardized way. It's, I, I don't mind that at all. But, you know, the inbox thing is a little annoying.
So, you know, here, here I observe myself having, having started off this video talking about things like depression and emotional topography and, and them uh, you know, highs and lows being linked and, and uh, that continued in a seemingly coherent fashion for, for quite a while. And I got into into talking about the, the like simultaneous significance and insignificance of whatever particular train of thought that I happened to be expressing and that kind of leading to uh, a lot of talk about an experience an experience of non-duality and then uh you know that kind of leading into talking about the connection between the profound and the mundane and uh now in the past few minutes kind of going off telling a, a story uh, you know just about the, the pragmatic world of past few days and feeling feeling you know equally interested in that story as anything else that's happened in this video. And, you know, also feeling like I am relating to you in, in some sense, a, a more, um, like mundanely transparent or transparently mundane way than I ever have before as in like having this feeling like I I can I like having this feeling like I can kind of share any realm of my experience with you without feeling any kind of embarrassment or, or needing to hide any aspect of my life because it's like too mundane to be of interest to you. And while simultaneously <clears throat> While, while simultaneously not feeling like any kind of like uh, urgent pressure to to make what I'm saying be interesting. But I'm talking about uninteresting things. My hands are cold again. I'm just gonna stand kind of next to the camera uh, while I 
actually put my hands uh, inside my pants and, and use my butt to warm them up because that seems a little actually more effective than the armpits. Oh, while I'm at it, I, remarkably, I just have to have to whiz for the third time. I must be really well hydrated. You know, sometimes I, I have uh, some very big doubts about walking and talking. Questions of whether I should continue with this format or, or do something different. You know, when I, when I think about what I perceive as problems with this format, Particularly if I ever stop to kind of evaluate, if, you know, conceptually kind of evaluate this format in comparison with uh, the rest of the media landscape, uh, it can be it can be really hard because it does kind of go against most of the the measures of value for, you know, successful media, successful entertaining media, or even, even, you know, educational media. So I have these doubts, but as I'm doing this now, as I'm making this video, I have this feeling of it of it actually fulfilling something that um, fulfilling fulfilling a certain role in this media landscape uh, which which seems to me valuable actually. And that, at least in my experience, this video seems to be succeeding at being both really interesting and really boring at the same time. And then, like, 
kind of paradoxically that's that in itself is is interesting to me or smashing the difference between interesting and boring and this this uh this, this does kind of feel like um, for me a kind of model about how to go through life as in if I if I ex if I expect for uh, everything that I do to be full of nothing but significance and meaning all the time like I'm going to be seriously disappointed when I come up with the fact that sometimes I just have to do something that in the moment doesn't doesn't feel particularly meaningful or rewarding or bring about some profound sense of connection but it just you know it's just some you know, total mundane work that you that you do, and moreover, it's 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 that like this meaning meaningfulness is is found, you know. In, in none other than, than the perfect mund mundanity. It's like you just you just do it. You just do something. without any sort of expectation of, of it being like a great thing. You know, and I can, I can think about, I can think back over my life and think about all the things that seem to, to stand out in the narrative of my life as being particularly meaningful accomplishments or the aspects of my life that you know things things that sort of define my identity <clears throat> and I can recognize that in actuality, it was just a whole lot of just mundane, normal work that just went into those things. Like just a lot of like little unheroic actions. A lot of a lot of like just going ahead and doing stuff. 
and you know even even more even more mundane than that even like also what went into all this meaningful stuff is a whole lot of just like a whole lot of just like what what seems like kind of wasted time kind of like uh wandering about not knowing what to do being unsure being indecisive trying all sorts of things that i didn't uh continue with abandoning projects getting excited about one thing and then getting quickly disillusioned with it i've done all sorts of that stuff and it's like you can't i can't actually like acknowledge all of that either that like in some way all of that like messing about like uh you know failing to complete things vacillating between things wasting time like like all of that kind of in some weird way like fed also is is related and connected and, and feeds into uh, the sorts of things that I, I seem to attribute meaning and significance to in my history in my personal history I can't tell if my my attitude towards this video right now is one of of striving and effort or of of non-striving and effortlessness. If I had to choose one, I would say it was a little bit more towards the latter of not striving to To, to present any particularly emotional, you know, any particular characteristic or persona or uh, emotional tone, but to kind of like a, a more like allowing, but but um, it again it again feels like somewhere in between those things or or both or neither or something like that. Like, uh, as if there, as if there's some kind of effort being placed towards awareness, and and maintaining some kind of continuity, but then at the same time there being. 
at, at the same time that just happening and like a just kind of like allowance for that for whatever's happening here to happen like with the things that I say like simultaneously being like yeah it's it's me here saying them and then also the, the things are just being said also also just witnessing them being said increasingly cold and so I'm glad that I brought this thermos of tea I'm awkwardly balancing the umbrella on my shoulder while I pour tea I'm gonna finish it and then start walking fast, relatively fast. <clears throat> so within the scope of these four hours, at times, what I'm talking about is going towards talking about um, just practical considerations of my immediate situation, you know, talking about being cold and like doing things to warm up. Which, you know, could be seen as something totally different than I don't know what I've been talking about that could also could be considered as like more universal universally uh, universal and profound aspects of the human experience that that I, I want to like you know, help awaken in you. But also, you know, everybody can relate to feeling cold. then you know this makes me question like is there actually an impetus for for us to relate like why is why is that important merely the fact that we are both humans
Should be enough, right? Should be plenty. It is plenty, you know? And, and, and that's why, like, I still don't feel... I, I don't feel any kind of, like, urgent pressure to, like, to, to relate to you. To, to make you like me, you know? It's not that I want you to like me. It's, it's that I... You know, more true than that would be that I want you to experience, like, well-being and a sense of personal autonomy and... Um, feeling that that you are the foremost authority on your reality you're the best person to know I think what you need to do in the immediate sense. And that's not to say that that that's not necessarily to say that you, you couldn't benefit from help from another person. Of course, all of us probably could. But, even that has to initiate with you. So, so like, I'm, uh, I guess what I'm saying is that even if you do need help in some area of your life, <clears throat> you're the best person to know that you need help, I think. Well, I mean, this is, this is irrelevant to say. This is totally irrelevant to say. It feels like all I'm, all I'm kind of saying right now is like, everything that I'm saying right now is, is just kind of like orbiting around the central truth that, uh, what we all have is our subjectivity. And that's the sort of thing that and that doesn't seem like it should need to be said. And furthermore, I, I can't say that it that saying that has any implications per se. You know, here I'm having this experience right now of like I guess it's a I guess it's the sort of exp uh, a, a very mild form of the sort of experience of emptiness that I alluded to at the beginning of the video but I can feel I feel okay with that that is you know 
starting to hear myself talk and, and start to feel the pointlessness of what I'm saying. But feeling more or less accepting of that. as one component of a totality. And starting to think about like my 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 uh My physical conditions here, like, could be starting to impinge on the freedom of my of my mind, which is something I, which is another thing that I kind of alluded to earlier in this video before it started to happen, and in other words, I'm just feeling cold you know and it's like harder to like think about well for one it, it's, it's maybe like harder to concentrate on anything harder to maintain continuity of thought so maybe you're starting to notice that And uh, I think something that goes along not with that is that it's, it's, you know, it's harder to like maintain <clears throat> some kind of like awareness of, uh, you know, my connection with all of reality or whatever the hell I was talking about an hour ago. You know, I'm, it's like my mind is a little bit more in the default mode now. But it's interesting that I can talk about it as such and, and not really feel distressed, you know? Not feel, uh, feel like disappointed that, uh, I'm not experiencing anything that I would call transcendent right now. Uh, I don't feel, I don't feel disappointed that, like, it's, it's that I, I can't, I can't now, ex like, completely, um, uh, 
like a, I'm not currently experiencing a dissolution of self or, or you know, non-dual awareness exactly in this present moment. Or am I, you know? It's hard to, it's, now it's, 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 it's kind of hard to say. It's like, if I'm, I'm telling you that I am experiencing default mode, that is, I, I, I feel identified with my body, I feel identified more or less with my thoughts, but then, you know, as I say that, like, merely, merely being aware of that, Keeps keeps reminding me of this other this other truth, and keeps me connected to it in a way. Like, and so like that larger awareness is is not exactly gone. <laughs> and also, it's like. It's as if I, I perfectly understand the importance of this default mode. It's, you know, my sensory experience is of, is of being cold. And that activates my default mode, which pushes me to do things to stay warm, to to start walking again, to walk at a slightly more brisk rate, and to walk towards my home, to maintain the integrity of this body. That's in service of maintaining the human experience. Because apparently, I value this experience of being a human. And being this particular human. Having this particular body and mind in my experience is valuable enough to keep it going to to walk towards a warm place where i can eat food
thinking about the future. Desiring to <clears throat> to maintain the conditions under which this feeling these these experiences of connection and and dissolution and freedom can occur you know it's like uh like the differentiation is needed for the integration and uh it's this it's it's just this communication with you <clears throat> that that really helps me to kind of to kind of transcend some of the 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 biggest sort of problems of human life and the the big one that i'm thinking of is mortality the fact that this individual body and brain will eventually deteriorate and decay and become indistinguishable from the dirt and the ground is is not ultimately a problem it it's really not a problem for for the higher th thing that that i feel connected with most of the time that i make these videos that i'm when when i'm when i'm occupying this experience of communicating with you it's like the the most important part of me feels in a in a sort of communion with you feels I mean, feels actually in a, in a kind of connection with the, with maybe what I view as the most important part of you. The most important part of us is not separate. The most fundamental parts of you and I, of us, are not separated by things like our our bodies and our identities
They're not limited by our individual lifespans. The most important part of us is something that becomes actuated 